Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Utah Jazz pick up a win. BYU wins. Utah wins. College basketball is underway. The Jazz, we'll get to the best Jazz postgame showing up. The Utah Jazz uh, beat Atlanta. They look like a tired team. They're missing a couple guys who maybe... Could have given a little lift, could have given a little bump, could have uh, hit some shots for them. They didn't have them. Jazz are up by 15 going to the fourth quarter, and they get the W. We'll get to the best postgame show coming up. We start with BYU football on a bye week. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, stopping by for his weekly visit. Here's his conversation with PK and I. Dylan, good morning. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing well. It's a bye week. BYU can put their feet up. No, that would never happen. They're going to work, and they're going to keep getting better. <laughs> what really happens on a bye week? Yeah, uh, it is, it is, it's a good week. It's a fun week, um, as long as you're winning and things are going well, right? Uh, you know, first couple days, either some teams do it on the front end, some teams do it on the back end, but basically you're going reviewing the game film uh, from the previous week, uh, you know, the the lifting is kind of ramped up just a little bit because you're not uh, really physically getting after it near as much. Practices are shortened. Um, a really it really is kind of a good opportunity, especially for the scout team and walk on players, um, to get a lot more live action. There's generally a, a scout bowl that happens every year, um, and so it's a it's a good time. Oh, and this is BYU too, so there should be a lot of marriage proposals, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Just getting ready for those December weddings. You know what I mean? I knew you'd play long. <laughs> <laughs> Who's course. playing, right, Dylan? Who's playing? <laughs> oh, brother! So. Four years back, I think it was, you made uh, this big definitive statement about Zach Wilson that he's going to be as good as anybody played at BYU and goes up and we know what happened there. Uh, what do you think about Jaron Hall? Because i got people at BYU telling me that this kid is really, he's great now and he's going to be even better. Yeah, uh, and, and I genuinely do believe that. And I think, you know, we kind of talked about this early on in the season, but the potential that Jaron has is you know, the, the ceiling is extremely, extremely high, right? And the expectation that everyone has seen and held Jaron to is much, much higher than anybody else would because, one, BYU fans and the culture already have the stigma of holding their, you know, quarterbacks to a, a Heisman year every single year. Um, but even more so coming on after Zach, right, there is this level of expectation. And so... Um, if you don't think that Jaron hasn't performed to the level that he should be, right, you're, you're dreaming. Um, because, you know, the guy's played in, what, eight games in his college career <laughs> after, you know, uh, going through having the inconsistencies last year and, and coming off of his mission. And this is the first time we've really been able to see him at, you know, full capacity and, and doing it banged up like many people are. But, I honestly think where he's at right now is in a really, really good place of of growth opportunity. I think he's going to finish out the season extremely strong. And what we'll see next year is a huge definitive level up from where he's even at today. I think think next year you'll have a really, really clear idea of how good Jaron Hall really is. 
So while Jaron is a sophomore and BYU fans can dream about uh, two more years of uh, excellence in Provo, there's also the line of thinking that, well, Jaron doesn't actually think all these Britain Covey are old jokes are that funny because he doesn't think Britain's that old. Right. So (laughs) at what point should he be advised to go to the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I personally believe that, like I'm saying, I I think next year is a great opportunity for Jaron to go to the to go to the next level if he performs to the level that he's capable of. If he can play consistent, if he can play healthy, right? He's going to put himself in a really good position to. And am I sitting here saying the guy's you know going to be a top ten pick? No, absolutely not. But I think going into next season and after a successful season, he's going to find himself in a position where he's going to be able to, you know, play a lot of football um, for the years that he does have and, you know, set himself up for, for a really, really good future. Um, but, you know, do I think holding off for the next two years, right, and waiting until he is a senior, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do it. How about Algier? It seems like he's got to go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, no questions asked, especially as a running back. Your, your lifespan as a running back is just so short, especially in today's game. So to not take full advantage of it uh, in the prime where your health has been, you know, you're, you're in great health, right? You're strong. You're faster, only going to get, you know, your fastest is only going to get faster and, and you're strong. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't risk, uh, I wouldn't risk that at all. Anybody else you think is leaving early or should leave early or maybe shouldn't leave early, but you think they will? Uh, to be honest with you, outside of those two guys, if anybody left early, I think it would be a uh, it would be a mistake in terms of you know maybe what their expectations are. How about right? Puka though? If they have. I think Puka has has one more year in him, and don't get me like I'm that's not saying Puka isn't like Puka's. Uh, Puka is that next level strength already. I think there are refined. You know, there are refining factors in his game that, if he has one more year, uh, will greatly attribute to him. Puka Nakua being a first-round pick is not out of the question. Yeah, I see some Austin in him, and he didn't go on a mission, so he doesn't have the age thing working against him, Mm -hmm. so he could easily come back and still not be considered, although I think it's stupid if somebody's 23 versus 21, what the crap is the difference right. if you give somebody 10 years? Who cares when the average lifespan in the league isn't even four full seasons? But I think that uh, since he didn't go on a mission, uh, that could work towards his benefit of coming back next year, particularly if Jaron Hall comes back, because then you got your quarterback back, mm-hmm. and you guys were thrown together a little bit in the offseason for the first time. Well, it only stands to reason that next year you'd have a better season and there'd be a better connection between the two. I could not agree more. I mean, I think there was a reason that you had Max Austin and Dennis and Harvey in the position that they were their junior years, um, and, the, and the benefit that that was to to Austin, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's that's got to be that's got to be the plan. Um, and you know, Puka is going to leave <laughs> the year after being the highest pick picked receiver from from BYU. 
We're joined right now by Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. Uh, PK was talking about how there is some belief around the BYU program that the uh, New Year's Six Bowls are not completely off the table. There is a chance there, and I suppose the most obvious path, Cincinnati has been flirting with disaster here in the regular season. If they lose a regular season game and then lose to a good team in the conference title game, that's two losses. That would seem to be BYU's best path to a New Year's Six, assuming the Cougars went out. What do you think the odds are? Had you really considered that? What do you think? Um, I, I, I honestly haven't considered it. I, you know, that would be that would be awesome. I think in order for that truly to happen, there cannot be if there is a close call, right? You know, obviously, if they don't beat Georgia Southern by thirty, right, and you know, if they go into the USC game and they beat USC, uh, and I'm not saying handedly, right, like by 30 points, but if there's a definitive difference in the two teams to where you can tell BYU is, is that, you know, top tier, they deserve the respect that, that they're getting, um, I think putting them into a New Year's Six Bowl would be would be a good idea. I think it would be phenomenal for the bowl game itself um, and the attention that, you know, it's going to bring. Um, but, you know, I think there's there's contracts for a reason. And to be honest with you, for me as a person, and I'm thinking about next season already and, and what the potential is. Meaning that the bowl game doesn't really matter to you that much? Is that the point? Yeah. Like, I'm already, I'm already strong on the, uh, the Independence Bowl. And I think that may be because of the lack and – respect that is generally put towards BYU, right? I think if they go in, they beat Georgia Southern by 30, they beat USC, and it's a pretty handed physical win, you know, made by two touchdowns. Uh, I'm used to that being still, hey, BYU doesn't deserve the respect that they're getting, right? Yeah. Um, So I'm just not used to saying, yeah, you know what? Like Playoff rankings and the committee, everyone's going to be like, yeah, this is a really good idea. Let's put them in there. You know, I think we've already seen the issues that have come out of the committee, and I don't trust them for anything. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd rather go back to that computer algorithm we were working with a couple of years ago. Yeah, who knows, man? It, it, it's it's impossible to figure out. At least if you had the uh, what would be you know twelve teams, I'm sure the thirteenth mm-hmm. team is going to win. It's just like with the college basketball tournament, who's yeah. ever the sixty ninth team, and when it was sixty four, the sixty fifth team. There's always somebody that wins. But when you put in more teams, the credibility of the whiner gets reduced because if you've had ample time to make your mark and you didn't, and somebody voted exactly. out. Well, it's sort of on you as opposed to this year. I mean, right now, we saw in the first poll with Cincinnati being out, Oklahoma being out, and Oregon being in, which I was surprised Oregon was in. I didn't, and they're going to stay in, obviously. And well, they got the big game next week against the Utes. They got Washington State this yeah. week, so they could possibly lose. But I was, in a sense, I was surprised that the Pac-12 slash Oregon got so much respect, but then I stepped back and thinking, well, what they're doing indirectly is just paying enormous amount of respect to Ohio State once again. Yep. Yeah. I think there are two ends of the spectrum on that, right? You're giving enormous amount of respect to Ohio State, but I also genuinely believe that on the back end, they're also giving the respect as a whole 
you know, the coaches, the AP poll, right, the playoff rankings to to Fresno State, right, and and the game that 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 Fresno State was able to put together against them, and so because they're, you know, equaling out both sides of that, um, I think I think Oregon is in a, a very good position to be where they are now. Their chances of of losing and blowing that opportunity up are typical, especially going into the Civil War uh, with Oregon State. Um, but that's something that is is definitely up in the air at all costs. I think those bottom the the three and four are as open as open gets right now. Okay. You buying Oklahoma to go undefeated? Because if they do, they get one of those spots. But they've had a lot of close games, and they've still got some some quality opponents to play. I don't think so. I don't think they get in. I think that there is, and if they do, if they get in and they win out, I think Caleb Williams is probably the most important thing that's happened to that program in quite a few years. Uh, and he sets himself up to be kind of the next Oklahoma quarterback that, you know, finds himself in the Heisman conversation as a young player and, and on to be a, a, a top draft pick. Um, because what that dude has been able to come and do for that team and the talent that he's been able to play at after all the pressure with, you know, the whole Spencer Rattler debacle, uh, you know, that's, that's unbelievable. Like, that is unbelievable the way that he's come in and played. And so I think, you know, if they if they do win out, you can you can attribute that to to the talent and, and ability of, of Caleb Williams. Seems like BYU is getting the ball rolling a little bit better on recruiting in terms of either guys who have high school kids who've committed and then decommit and then decide on BYU. We'll see if they eventually sign, but also some transfers. Now, my thought for you, do you think going forward that BYU will be able to get more of those dudes right off the bat as opposed to either a high school kid making a commitment someplace else and decommitting or a transfer going someplace else and then coming to BYU? I think the transfer going someplace else and then coming to BYU. Uh, I think that culture, which was has been kind of set by Pope and the basketball team, is already kind of trickling over into the football program. And I think that's going to be something that BYU cashes in on in both sports in a major way for years to come. Uh, I think there are going to be a lot of top talents that come in and, and are effective. Um, and I think ultimately that's what guys want to see is how productive can I be in a program as a graduate transfer and what is it going to prepare, propel me to do? Uh, that's something that, that BYU has done a great job of, and I think they're just going to continue to, you know, build that out. Do you think BYU is more likely to land guys who um, we've never heard of, who are somewhere else, who think I'm going to go to BYU, Big 12, playing time, and uh, and for a year and take my shot? Or do you think it's going to be more the guys we have heard of, there's more in-state than players than ever going out of state for school, but they decide to come home at some point? More the Puka Nakua story. Uh, I, I think I think it's going to be the guys that we've never heard of. I think it's going to be the Tysons, right, of of the world that you know aren't from Utah, right? Maybe from East Coast guys that are now seeing the benefit that it is to come to to BYU. And most importantly, what you're saying is the trust that these guys have in Kalani, A Rod, right, 
the offensive staff and the defensive staff because what they're telling them is actually coming to fruition, right? And they're making it a priority now to where when transfers are coming in, you know, there's a reason that they're bringing them in. They're not bringing them in, uh, you know, to to run fake jet sweeps, uh, but they're bringing them in to make them the, the focus point of, of the offense. So you want to go out and run some 30-yard dashes with me today? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd give you eight of them. I'd give you eight good ones. <laughs> Was it always the same, like, uh, we'll, we'll just go with uh, the home stadium. Was it always west to east, or was it ever east to west? No, that was definitely, it was definitely both sides. It was okay. like half-gassers. Okay. okay, Lou. Touch the line, come on back. <laughs> Did you even bother to go downfield after the ball was snapped? Did you stand over there? <laughs> no, that was the only. That was like the, That was kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. Was like, hey, if nothing's open down deep, I might get the check down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just sit here on the numbers and wait. <laughs> Well, you had to collect your breath by then. Too. Now, now if you do this in several stadiums, you know some stadiums are f- are are flat, some are crowned for drainage. Do you ever find yourself having to pull up running downhill because you were just picking up speed and running downhill? I think I think the bigger problem was the going uphill issue. Right? <laughs> At the start trying of make the jet it, sweep, trying to make the rounded cut to get away from the quarterback and the you know not mess up the handoff mesh uh, for the running back. That's where the real worry was. <laughs> You should a couple times just see if anybody noticed. Just keep running into the sidelines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was third and eighteen, coach. I didn't think we were converting. It's getting out of the way for the punt team. Checking down anyway. What's the difference? I'll hang yeah, back in case right. there's a pick return. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it was jet it was, sweep humor will never grow old. The classics no, never grow old. All right, Dylan, we will let you go. We appreciate the time, and uh, enjoy the bye week, and uh, we will talk to you when you're getting BYU all prepped for the big game at Georgia Southern. <laughs> yep, no question. We'll all talk right. later. There is Dylan Colley. We will hear from Frank Dolce coming up. Best of the Jazz post-game show on the way. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After 10 long, grueling weeks, it's finally a bye week for Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars. But just because the Cougars have the week off doesn't mean the coverage slows down on the Zone Sports Network. Keep it locked all week on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the home stretch of the Cougar football season. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz get the win. They take down the Atlanta Hawks. They end their two-game losing streak. Here is the best of the Jazz postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz had a good shooting night, played well defensively. They beat the Hawks 110-98. to Jake Scott with you. Donovan Mitchell led the way with 27 points. Six Jazz players were in double figures last night. Uh, Bogdanovich uh, had 18. Jordan Clarkson with 16. Mike Conley back in the lineup. He had 12 points to go along with six assists. Royce O'Neal had 11. Hassan Whiteside, 10. Nine boards and one block shot. Rudy Gobert 
last night. Nine points, 14 rebounds, and two blocks for Rudy. Uh, as the Jazz win to move to 7-3 and three on the season, let's uh, get some post-game sound going for you. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Sometimes we drop them in the backcourt or a second guy over there. Were you just trying to show them different looks or what was the happening? I think anytime you know, you've got a player that's that dynamic um, with the ball, you know, to you know anything you can do to be disruptive, um, you know, can be helpful. And you know, obviously giving something up at the other end. Um, but as I said, if, you know, if he gets the ball back, maybe there's a little some in the shot clock. It's, you know, nothing's perfect, and you know, there were times that that hurt us. But you know, that's what um, you know a great player can do. Obviously, you know, Rudy got into foul trouble, but Hassan came in, gave you great help with the bench. Really, kind of that first guy that sparked with that second unit. And then obviously, playing with the first, talk about the performance. Well, you, you, I'll repeat what you said. It, it, he really, I think, I think he was, as you said, when 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 Rudy has gotten in, in foul trouble, it's happened before. You know, to still have. You know that rim protection, um, and I think he got better in pick and roll as the game went along. Kind of, he's still finding his way a little bit. Um, we're finding our way a little bit in those, some of those covered situations where you know how high should we be up, how far back, and when. Um, but he competed, you know, and, and uh, some big offensive rebounds as well. What are you seeing from Bob and um, well, I, I think we, you know, I've, I've said it before, you know, it, it, to me, Tony, it's, it's, it's less about running the team and managing the game as it is just making the right play, you know, and, you know, he's capable of doing a lot of things on the court, um, whether he's off the ball or his hand on the ball. I mean, that that's obviously a strength of our team you know, when he and Mike are out there together and, um, you know, they play together that way. And, you know, that that's, that's what we, we want. I want our guys, I want us to defend and just to try to make the right play. And the right play is not just the guy with the ball. The right play is spacing, the precision that we need because, you know, the guy with the ball can't make the right play if other people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, I, I think, you know, our guards and our big, we were, we were, we were, more, we were communicating better in some switching situations where, um, you know, when it's hard uh, to stay in front all the time and pick and roll and in those moments, you know, to be decisive with who's got the ball. And, you know, even if it appears to be a quote-unquote mismatch, um, there's someone that's contesting a shot, you know, and, and make them make them earn those baskets um, instead of layups or clean looks or lobs. Talked about how defense wasn't where you wanted. It reiterates that basically. It's a lack of effort. He said, "Did you like the effort you saw from the guys tonight?" Yeah, I, I think you know. I, I think it's. I think it's mental. You know, it's. There's. You know, you're not running that far. It's. It's a question of how quickly can you get to the next play. You know, how alert you are um, to not lament a missed shot or. Uh, 
you know, feel wrong about a foul, you know, whatever the case may be, not ball watch, you know, just to understand that we've got to get to the next play, no matter, no matter what, not to celebrate, um, you know, a great play, um, all, all those things that, that where you need, you know, the mental focus to get to the next play, because that's what just happened is over, you know, and, you can talk about it and look at it later. There you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as his team moves to 8-3 and three actually on the season with the 110-98 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Let's now move on to the players. Let's hear from Donovan Mitchell. I just started on the defensive end. You know, we were, we were making shots. We're going back and forth. But, you know, when we really honed in on our defense, got stops and ran, we pushed the lead open. Um, and I think you saw that, especially in the fourth. I don't think Trey or Kev scored in the fourth. Maybe they did. I, I don't remember. But we made it hard on them. You know, they, they got good looks. Like I said out there, the talented players are going to make shots, but you know, we were able to put stops together consecutively, you know, switching, whatever, breaking up the lob pass, and then executing down there on the offensive end. And that's who we are, and we got to continue to do that from game to game. After you know, being on the road so often, you know, last week, what would like to see back home from the crowd? I mean, I saw you jump up your hands up. That was good. You know, good to be back. Um, you know, the, the crowd, the atmosphere, you know, whether it's the fourth quarter, trying to get them to miss for, for free fry, um, Kentucky fried chicken or, or Kentucky Chick-fil-A. I mean, um, like that, that I think is, you know, it gives us a boost. You know, it's always good to be back, sleep in your own bed and all that. So uh, we, we have a home stand. We got to take care of our home court uh, coming up, but it's definitely good to be back. Several players on this team were shooting in the 80s and 90s from free throw. Uh, I was about to say, I was like, yeah. <laughs> 80s and um, 90s. How, and it's not just a matter of making them, but the times you guys are actually in the game. Thank you. How, how important has that been just to be able to make more improvements? Yeah, it's, it's a focus. Yeah, it's it's a focus. It's it's just a testament to the reps we've put in. You know, where we're able, even though the shots aren't falling, you know, that's when you really lock in more on the free throws to get a sense of rhythm. Um, that happens to me a lot when I don't necessarily the shot fall and I try and get to the free throw line to see it go in. And we're just locked in, you know, as a group, you know. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much what it is, just a, a focus on it. And you know, we got to continue to do it, you know, and make it, especially in critical situations. Was it nice to see some shots falling? Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, I, I, and we were executing. And I think it gives you life. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you, you can say all you want about you know being able to guard throughout, not making shots, and you, you can do that. You know, two times, three times, but it's it's tough to do it consecutively four, five, six, seven times. And it's just the truth, you know. But that's what we're hoping to be. You know, to, to be great. You know, and that's what we got to get to. But it's it's tough at times. You know, when shots are falling, it's like man, even the open ones. But you know, to see some shots go in the night, you know. It was, it was good. It felt good. We dropped 32 in the first quarter. How nice was it to get off to a good start this time? We dropped 32. We dropped 32 points in the first quarter. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. How was it? How did it oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get off to that next start? Uh, it was good. But I, I think, you know, we were more focused on the fact that we gave up, I think it was 28 or 30, you know, off of turnovers, silly plays. I didn't get up on defense, easy, easy, uh, easy things like that. I think that's really where our focus was at. And I think that's what we were all happy, happy about, you know, because the 32 points. Is, is, is good to see, but you know, at the end of the day, we could have held them to a 20 ball, a 22 ball, under, under 24, and, that, and I think those little mistakes and executing, that's what you saw progressively throughout the game as we started getting better and better at those situations. There you go, Donovan Mitchell, 27 points, 11 of 20 shooting, 5 assists and 3 rebounds, talking about his defense as well. Speaking of defense, let's now hear from Hassan Whiteside. I was joking with the coaching staff, I'm like, how many teams got a backup center that can outplay other teams' starting centers? So, um, 
I, I take pride in that. You know, I don't want it to be a drop off or or anything like that when I come in the game. It's like I want to just keep it keep it um keep it steady or go up even more and, and try to elevate the team when I come out there. You know, because Rudy's gonna he's gonna be Rudy. He's gonna come out there. He's gonna dominate the paint. You know, and um I just want to keep that going and protect the paint and. And I, I just, that's just what I want to do. This is a tough matchup because you got to get up on trade yeah. shooting and then you got to get back. Yeah, a couple of times I had got called. I got a little too aggressive. I, um, we had switched when they wanted to just um kind of give up the mid-range. But, you know, I just kind of got a little aggressive sometimes. And um, he got behind me. Uh, but we got better as the game went on, you know, and – um. And I, like I said, it's it's tough because it's tough when them guys can shoot threes like that, like a like a Portland, like um like a, like the Warriors, them guys they can really get it going with a big rolling so fast. I guess let me ask you about that because then I, I, I decided to go back. Uh, so um. So so normally you looking for you normally trying to hold the guy up. You trying to stab jab at the um at the point guard till the other guy can go. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes they can't get back in front and we just got to switch it after like a couple of dribbles. You know, it happens so fast. I think um, people don't realize how fast you got to react guard pick and rolls. It's, 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 it's really a split second. You know, it's, you basically playing two on one every time. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna take all the blood all the all the um credit for that. You know, it's just um you know I think it's I think it's a I think it's a, a mixture of <laughs> Hold on bro, I'm not interview. <laughs> I think it's a mixture of just having great teammates, you know, just them guys is I can trust them guys to help me, you know, and um and, and overall it just helped me become a better basketball player. That's Hassan Whiteside last night. Eight uh, eight points coming in off the bench to go along with eight rebounds. Uh, also added uh, a block shot to that total as well. There's the best of the Jazz postgame show. When we come back, our weekly visit with Frank Dolce, our Utah insider, as the Utes crush the last place team in the Pac-12 North and get ready for the last place team in the Pac-12 South. Stay with us. Ready, ready, Game week for the Utes in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk Utah football with the former Ute quarterback, Frank Dolce, our Ute insider here on The Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular and hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Good to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Well, we're all doing well, but I don't think we're doing as well as the Utes did in the first half in Palo Alto. Did that say more about Utah or more about Stanford? How'd you take it? Well, 
Man, Stanford didn't look very good. So I, I don't know what to think about that Stanford team. They're, they're, it's a roller coaster. It's kind of a roller coaster ride, and I, I don't know if if they have um, if, if they've cashed in the season or if they're still interested in playing. But it just doesn't. It didn't feel very like and and. and you know, I, I don't know what the the numbers were announced for the crowd on on online. It kept saying capacity is fifty thousand, but it wouldn't announce the the numbers. I didn't see if you guys saw the the crowd, but there wasn't a crowd there. I think there two hundred forty two people. I think were there two hundred and forty two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, two hundred and forty were Utah fans, so. <laughs> Uh, I I I think Utah. It, it was good. it was a combination of Utah was was pretty good, and Stanford just didn't seem interested. No, I would agree with that. But I need you to know, Frank. We've changed clocks now. The weather's getting worse. I am in football mode. This interview right now, you need to be prepared because I'm putting hat on hat. Okay, let's go. I'm ready. I'm always ready. Isn't that a isn't that a thing somewhere? Do the Marines say that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And in my heart, I like to think of myself as a Marine. <laughs> I knew I couldn't cut it, so I didn't shine up you, for it. You identify as a Marine. <laughs> I, I, I'm, with, I'm with you. I like okay. that. The key, Here we go. The key word. So I think that, you know, we've known that Utah's had some stumbles. It's funny because for years they stumbled in November. Now they've changed that. Yeah. And they stumbled in December. Which is good to be in the position to stumble in December because a lot of teams aren't even in that position. But the Utes are this year, and they have been. And so with that in mind, I'm not expecting a stumble. At minimum, minimum, I'm expecting a split with Oregon. I don't care about Arizona and Colorado. That's a waste of time. Uh, you got to play them, and they suck. So go beat them, and and hopefully nobody gets hurt. I mean that that's the goal. The goal of those two games is beat those teams and don't have any major injuries along the way. But the Oregon game next week, and then the game, which I think is just I know Utah's going to be there. I'm pretty sure Oregon's going to be there. I think they split. What do you think? Yeah, I I would lean that way. Also, it's just it's really hard to beat a team twice, especially. You know, like a, like an Oregon team that's that's super talented. Although I, it doesn't quite feel like Oregon has put it all together. I think that starts with the quarterback position. Like I think they're super talented all over the field, and maybe um, average to above average talented at the quarterback position. So that that may be an issue with that football team, but. Uh, but I like what I like what Coach Cristobal does. I like his philosophy and his culture, and and so that's going to be. I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's impossible. Um, I wouldn't say it's impossible for Utah to lose twice to that to that football team if they got in that position. But I think a split is very is a very reasonable way to to look at it. And if Utah, so so I try to say, you know, when have we seen Oregon at their best? You know Ohio State. That was that was pretty early in the football season. When have we seen Utah at their best? Well, that seems pretty recent. Maybe Stanford. Um, there's been you know halves of play where we've seen Utah really good recently. Uh, so I think if you match up Utah's best and Oregon's best, 
I think, oh man, I want to say that Utah edges out Oregon, but when you know when Oregon's at their best, they're pretty good. So I guess I just talked myself into year <laughs> one and one. <laughs> Especially they're going to play them like th- twice. They'll play them three weeks apart too. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I uh, so which is more? I mean, which game is more meaningful? Do you think? think uh, Second one. If, the second one, yeah. yeah. The second one. So, so do you throw the, this one? <laughs> you throw this one so you can beat them in the second one. <laughs> yeah, and then you, then you and then if Oregon wins out, and then you beat them, the whole conference hates you because you didn't. Uh, you took away the chance for a team to go to the playoff, but that's the way it goes. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're there's no way you're, you're, you're Utah, you, Oregon needs to win both to get to the playoff. So there's more pressure on them there from that perspective. But if you're the Utes, yeah. you take the Pac-12 title game versus this one here. There's no way Oregon's going to the playoff. No way. I, there's no. There's no way. No way. Out, there's no way. No way. No he way. says, "Sniggy, correct him." Actually, my next question was going to be: Everybody in all the other Pac-12 uh, campuses believes that it will be a split because everything always goes wrong for the Pac-12. They won't get a team in a playoff. <laughs> what is most likely to go wrong and jack everything up? Well, Utah is going to get one of those two games off Oregon. I think the playoff committee is counting on that, uh, <laughs> based on the way they they did the rankings. But but I just even even if Oregon goes undefeated, I just don't see the and if Oregon goes undefeated and Ohio State goes undefeated, and Cincinnati gets screwed. <laughs> Cincinnati gets screwed. But what about Oklahoma sitting outside? How does Oklahoma stay out? I thought you were going to say, uh, well, if Georgia beats Alabama, then Alabama's out. Because Alabama will have two losses. And if, well, you're, if they yeah. don't, then you have two SEC teams. That's, and they absolutely set themselves up to do that. If but Bama absolutely. beats Georgia, right. Bama's one, and Georgia will fall to three. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it's very, <laughs> I think it's very unlikely that Oregon, Oregon gets in. Hmm. So and and I don't know that a I so, don't know that a one loss Oregon team I don't know is it a yes, one loss Oregon yes. team competitive with the top four or five teams? Well, well they, they have the a win victory. over they have a win Long over one loss Ohio State and what your your nightmare scenario? I know with, without 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 their best defensive players too. I mean Georgia, it's a good win. There's no question. Alabama beats Georgia and is one. Okay. Georgia falls to two or three. Oklahoma, uh-huh. if Oklahoma's undefeated, I'm not convinced they will be for the same reason I'm not convinced Oregon can win out. But if Oklahoma does yeah. win out, they're in at two because they're undefeated. Georgia falls to three with a loss, and Ohio State is four, and Cincinnati is out, and Oregon is out. Yeah. I think and Notre Dame the, is out, for that matter. I mean, Notre Dame, we could be sitting here. You know, if Notre Dame needs one more game, Notre Dame and BYU should call each other. BYU's thinking, hey, we're one big win away from going to a, maybe a Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. You throw a game together real quick, a 13th game. You can That's, play it in Canada. There's a, there's a loophole. Well, you're a dumb hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Oh. I know it's not going to happen. Then why bring it up, we're man? We're serious here. We I don't know what when. you guys are planning on. <laughs> Dude, you know you, how you do you do during the week now? You'll do like some cut-up of your interviews today. If the cut-up of 
you're a dumb hole <laughs> replaying all week long. I don't know what's wrong. Whoever does that, just that's that's your loop for the rest of the week. <laughs> There's a loophole. No, you're a dumb hole. Well, I could have gone worse, but I didn't. Yeah, that was good. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for showing some restraint. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's comment comment of the day. You did, man. You did come ready to go hat to hat. <laughs> I got my hand in the dirt. I'm hat on hat today. I about dropped dead when I saw Kyle Whittingham elect to receive Mr. Defense. We're going on offense, man. He knew. They'd seen the film. He, Eel, he never he does okay, that. Right. It's okay, not like so the first time they've whacked somebody. That's true. But, but the, Frank, why did they do that and then throw on two of the first three plays? Now, they converted the third down, but I thought, as soon as they thought that, I thought they've already scripted out 12 straight run plays to start this game. They're going after the 12th best run defense in the league, which would be the worst run defense in the league, and then they threw on them on two of the first three plays. You can't, you can't, I can't ever decipher what, you know, what's in the mind of an offensive coordinator. I never understand it because to all of us, so you, you, you think, well, look at that. Utah's going to go on offense. Well, of course they're going to go on offense because Stanford is terrible on defense. They give up, you know, a thousand yards a game, and six hundred of that is is rushing. So that's just a one player. You go on, and, and yeah, and and Utah is you know running the ball pretty well. So yeah, we're gonna of course we're gonna go on offense, and then we're just gonna just jam it down the middle of the line of scrimmage and we're going to beat everybody up and and we go dropping back to dropping back to pass. I don't I don't know. I mean, and and I have I have learned to just say, look, I'm not in the I'm not in the film room. And so what I see on TV maybe looks different than in in the film room or maybe what we see on the on the paper or stats page is different than what we see in the film room, but clearly uh, Coach Ludwig and that offensive staff saw something in the pass game they th- thought they could exploit early, and maybe it was just a thing to get Cam Risen comfortable throwing the ball early, because they knew that maybe he wasn't going to throw the ball a bunch during the game, and he sure didn't. He didn't need to. So, I don't know. I don't know how to decipher it. I don't know why they threw the ball a couple times in the first few plays of the game, um, you know, to keep Stanford off balance. Who knows? But but what, whatever it is, um, Utah figured it out. They were really good up front, and eventually they got to the part where they just started smashing Stanford with the run game. Frank, we're talking a lot about Oregon, but is there any chance Washington State beats Oregon? Because yeah. then they both have two losses. Was yeah. it have the tiebreaker? They'd be in the driver's seat. Yes, absolutely. I said that. I said that um, last week when when I was with uh, Hans and Scotty. I said, watch Washington State beat Oregon, and then and then who's now who's in charge of the North? Sure, but if you're Utah, and, you don't want that at all. No, I don't think you want that. No, no, I'm just saying that that's a that's a, not an unlikely scenario for for Washington State to do that because it's because it's the Pac-12, and that's something that is that is very reasonable to think would happen. So until in, until Oregon State lost again, which I, who knows? I, at one point I was like, we, nobody wants to play Oregon State, and now it's like everybody wants to play Oregon State. <laughs> But at one point, it was even as late as last week, 
you know, Washington State wins, Oregon State wins, Oregon wins. All of a sudden, and then and then you have possibly Oregon State beating Oregon, Washington State beating Oregon. I mean, the whole North is a mess. It's a complete mess. But yes, I'm with you. Like I think Washington State could could be a little disru- di- disruptive uh, on on the. In, in the north. Not with no PK, though. That wrecks the storyline. Oregon's the storyline. It does. That's the one everyone no, wants. But PK is like, I mean, PK is very malleable. I mean, he would, whatever <laughs> the storyline is this week, <laughs> next week he would, he would have a new storyline, right? He, I mean, oh, he'd put a hat so, on a hat and go after a new storyline. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, I, don't, I have no, no, question, no question about that. The Pac-12 is just, is just weird this year, so... You know what? Whatever's happening at Washington right now, um, coaches being fired. I thought Jonathan Smith had it dialed in, um, and maybe they're still a year, a, a year away. I, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a funny conference. Dante Williams is doing everything he can not to be the next head coach at at USC. So I, it's a it's a weird conference. I wouldn't be surprised to see five head coaching op- opportunities in the south <laughs> this year. I mean that that is that seems like a reasonable possibility with with what's happening. Although you know Colorado's kind of Colorado's kind of coming around. What do you guys think of Carl Durrell by the way? I mean is he is he going to get that thing going? Is he a, is he a long timer at Colorado? No. I would guess no. No. <laughs> Man. Sorry. You know, I wanted him to. Do, I wanted him to do so well at UCLA, and then it just never kind of, it never materialized. And then I thought, okay, he's gonna, he's gonna really light it on fire at, at Colorado. Maybe it's just because I want him to. I don't know. I just think he's. I think it's largely guy, because you but, want him to. Yes. great guy. He's a great yeah. guy. I've talked to him many yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Great, great yeah. guy. But there's some serious heavy lifting to be done there. And so I think until we see someone do it, the default prediction is no, they're not going to. Even though PK has said a million times, well, you never know with a coaching hire. True. They're True starting enough. to do. They're doing some facility stuff there, and that's going to help. Probably the next guy. Oh man! And Boulder's a great town. I mean, I, I think Boulder's a great place. It shouldn't be too difficult to to recruit there, and, and certainly they've had success in the past. So, do you think? Uh, do you think Jimmy Lake survives this year? No, I'm with PK. No. They just got suspended a game without pay. They've got a great chance to lose to Washington State and end on a down note. <laughs> They're four and five. Are they? Are they going to be bowl eligible? No. Oh man, they can lose There's to ASU and drop to four and six. Beat Colorado, lose to Wazoo, be five and seven. No. There's a, there's a little, there's a little, <laughs> he's putting there's no little, hat on the no hat. <laughs> no, no. There's a little rumor going around in Seattle that the trustees are getting together and putting together a nice package for Chris Peterson <laughs> to come back. No. Please. <laughs> Please. Please, Chris, we're begging you. We got no other ideas. If he's interested in coaching, excuse me, I'm SC. I throw him whatever package Washington puts, I triple it. No question. Yeah, you just go down, to, no New, question. You go down to Newport Beach and tell some alums to write some checks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Chris Peterson at uh, at USC. I just think that 
I, I think that would be fantastic would for think, the Pac-12. I would think most U fans would like to not see that happen. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand that part of it, but but um, for the for for the sake of the conference, I mean, the conference needs something because as it sits, you can't have like you, you can't go through a every year like. Oh, we got one loss, Oregon, or we have one loss, this team. And if they win the rest of their games, and it's unlikely that the winners of the games, and are they going to be over to, able to overcome the f- playoff committee? And you need a dominant team in in the Pac-12, or, or the Pac-12 is never going to see the playoffs ever. So, I mean, for the for the Pac-12, they need to make some. They need to figure out some hires. Chris Peterson is is a guy that they need to go. I mean, they just need to go get them, and they need to put them in the right spot. Washington potentially is the right spot. USC definitely is a right spot. So uh, I, I just don't know how – philosophically, I just don't know that the Pac-12 as a conference is really that interested in, in a football championship. So, and if that's the case, then then they'll go find a you know a good guy to run USC. But USC will have two losses every year, even with all the talent. And same with Washington and and maybe Oregon. Will, you know, maybe one team will sneak through with one loss, but but they're never going to see the playoffs if if that's the way it's going to be. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we just have to settle on that. The Pac-12 is just that's not the the main focus of the Pac-12 is to win a football championship. We'll leave it right there, Frank. Thanks for the downer. Did we even talk about Utah, Arizona? We tried not to. <laughs> I listened. PK, did you listen to that? Did you listen to the radio broadcast? Did you watch the game? Which game? Arizona. Sorry, the Arizona game last week. I did not listen to radio. No. What? So I like to listen. I. I t- t- I like to listen to the local radio broadcasts when I can. Like, so I listen to the Arizona broadcast. And I can't remember the name. You probably know him. I can't remember the name of the, uh, of the play-by-play guy for Arizona. Um, but he did, he did a nice job on the broadcast. It was very entertaining listening to him. And you could just hear the excitement in his voice as it got closer and closer and closer. And I... I'm not kidding. I think that he broke down and shed tears at like he got all choked up at the end of that at the end of that football game. It was just kind of an amazing moment to listen in in radio football. It was like he he literally broke down. He was emotional. <laughs> he was talking about I think it was homecoming. I mean, all of these things kind of Went congealed together in the perfect storm, and and uh, it was quite a moment in uh, in radio football history. I thought it was very entertaining. Frank, good to catch up with you. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you. All right, you guys, you're the best. Have a great week. There's Frank Dolce. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next.